All good things must come to an end. Even discussions about the deadliest of heresies. I know, I know, don't cry. Crying is for wussies. Now I understand that in a perfect world, there would be way more heresies to investigate than just these seven, forever and ever. But we don't live in a perfect world, and that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to do the best that you can and repair each and every mistake that you have ever made. And if you do that, Jesus will make up the rest so that you can be perfect. Even though you don't have to be perfect, you just have to attain perfection through the legalistic Christ by following the commandments and keeping your covenants, all of them, even the ones that only get you part way there because no unclean thing can enter the kingdom of heaven. But again, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to never do anything wrong, even a little. And there's no contradictions there. How do I know? I know because I have faith. And why do I have faith? I have faith because I know. I'm Rank McBadden, faith detective. And until next time, my brothers and sisters, when we meet at the judgment bar of God and we look at each other, judgingly sitting at a bar, asking, what's a nice spirit like you doing in a place like this until that great and glorious day as the ancient inhabitants of this finally made great again continent of the Americas used to say, adieu. Join us now. This is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. After your faith has let you down. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is going to wrap up our five-part series on the seven deadly heresies. And I want to just jump right into it because because if you'll remember from the last episode best off Bob if you stopped reading the scriptures uh, John and Bob were making a point and Randy was trying really really hard to interject because he had something that he just needed to say to Bob and probably got it and um, for whatever reason um, he wasn't able to interject yeah for, for the love of God Bob but we all want to hear what Randy has to say right you know we know that with him interjecting like that, that there was something really good, something really burning. Yeah, whatever you do, Bob, steer clear of a clear that he had to get out. So I just want to jump right to that without any further exposition. Yeah, stay clear. <laughs> and I really want to hear what Randy has to say. Yeah, whatever you do, Bob, steer clear of a clear Because Randy always has like these really, really good insights, and there's no point in uh, prolonging it. So let's just get right. To yeah, it. Whatever stay, you do, stay, Bob, steer clear. You know, I do want to say, though, that um, it's been really fun to do this series. I've enjoyed it, and I hope that you enjoy it, too. But, okay, all right, let's get back to Randy because, you know, got to get back to Randy. And, and probably, probably, yeah, I know I, want, no, I want to. I want to hear what Randy has to say. All right, I'm not going to interrupt anymore. I'm going to make a fucking point because I'm tired of going. Okay, fine. I'm just listening. I'm making my point. I'm just. Go for it. I'm just. Go for it, man. Can't touch this. I'm just listening. 
Go for it, man. You can't touch this. I'm just listening now. <laughs> for the love of God, I'm the proxy Bob. of like infant Mormon who doesn't know how to, you know, adhere right. to the gospel principles. So, yeah, whatever stay, you do, stay, Bob. Stay clear of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, stay clear Song of Ecclesiastes of and do not read the entire section of 132. Whatever you do, <laughs> not, <laughs> just read it when, out of context with quotes from talks. <laughs> no, 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 like Mike, this is this is a fact. <laughs> every every lesson manual in Relief Society, from Relief Society to uh, Deacon's Quorum, all across the board, the excerpts of DNC 132 end before verse 20. You never get anything past 20. That's why I never use the manuals when I teach. I only use pre-85 material when I teach. For real? <laughs> That's going against the living prophets, Mike. Is that a joke or is that real? <laughs> you don't use manuals? Look, because I because I, I really think, Mike, that this is a, a problematic for you because you love so much the historical gospel and you kind of despise the updated stuff. You know, like if you if you look at the essays on LDS.org and you include those as like the main summarizing. Yeah. Do you know why they had to put the high priest with the elders recently? Because for 10 years, we've gotten the teachings of the prophets' manuals. Everybody sits in a circle and reads in a circle and it's maddening. And so they've lost the spirit and had to get the high priest that used to get the old proper teachings to come in and, and shake up the elders and teach them properly. That's the problem the church is having right now is this. Is That's this it. That's the that problem. Well, right if only feeding them pablum for 10 years. If only they had a prophet that could have foreseen that problem. <laughs> oh. Wait, but if they did, he would have been like had like three, three, um, you know, like in the middle of a paragraph of teachings, he would have had uh, three little words and then dot, 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 and then three more words excerpted into the teachings of the prophet so that you're not actually getting whatever his teachings were. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, this is my whole, this is like the basis of half of my Oaks parodies is that half of his talk is always quoting the people behind him and saying things that were said like last conference. And, you know, if you actually parse out the new words, they're really just prepositions and basic phrases. <laughs> That was Mike laughing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I have to imagine, Mike, that you get super frustrated in priesthood quorums. Oh, I'm in a really good ward now. This ward has really good teachers in it. I, I, yeah, compared to my last ward, this ward I'm in now in Reno is very good. Yeah. I get actual teaching, like guys that serve their missions properly and know how to make a lesson on their own. Hmm. Nice. It's, it's, a breath, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Should we move to on to <laughs> Heresy 7? Yeah. Randy? John? Yeah, I'm ready to do it. I'm going to read his, I'm going to read his Christian bashing after. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Heresy 7. Heresy 7. There are those who believe we must be perfect to gain salvation. Be ye therefore perfect. Sorry, that's in the Bible. <laughs> this is not really a great heresy. Only a doctrinal misunderstanding. Uh, this is not really a great... Did you say that? Yeah, this is not... Right. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't gone back and compared <laughs> actual words to what's written here. He's really ready. undercutting his own argument here. <laughs> yeah. Great. Really hey, look, guys, six, but the last, I need a seventh here, one. Eh. Here's the I don't have a great, great argument here. really great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, just, that just stumbled me because that's not McConkie, like, the way... Wishy-washy you, here, yeah. Yeah. This is not really a great heresy. Only, only a, doctrinal. a doctrinal misunderstanding, which I mention here 
in order to help round out our discussion and to turn our attention from negative to positive things. And to turn our attention from negative to positive things. What? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> oh, that you don't have to be uh, perfect is a positive thing. Okay. Oh, if we, we keep... Yeah. If we keep two principles in mind, we will thereby know... We will thereby know that good and faithful members of the church will be saved, even though they are far from perfect in this life. These two principles are, one, that this life is the appointed time for men to prepare to meet God. This life is the day of our probation. And two... That same spirit which possesses our bodies at the time we go out of this mortal life shall have power to possess our bodies in that eternal world. Okay, so one of these things is that I'm now I'm, I'm actually realizing, you know, if he's calling these two things principles, hmm. I'm realizing that when we were talking about principles before that Mike and I probably are using completely different words, you know, the same word to mean completely different things. These are not principles at all. These are um, whatever doctrinal Don't say truth. theories or whatever you want to say. It's a hypothesis, doctrinal truth claim or something like that. Oh. A principle is something like, um, yeah, I, I don't know where, where <laughs> don't be a dick. Know, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, the, there's, there's a, a, a principle around which you hang something. It's not a, a thing that's saying, um, I don't know, it, that every atom in your body will be physically, re, you know, gathered together or whatever, whatever it is. That's a, a particular idea, but it is not a, it's not a general principle around which you, uh, you are working from the spirit and, as opposed to, let's say, a, a set of legal rules. So anyway, yeah. so he's defining principles in a kind of a, a particular Mormon way, I guess. It's like instructions at the top of like a government document. Uh, it's it, this life is the one time for men to prepare to meet God. This life is the day of our probation. It's like yeah, so. I wouldn't call this a principle. These are, I don't know, faith claims or, or hypothesis. It's a doctrines actually. They're two doctrinal points. Well, this is the time I have to repent, and the the measure of repentance I get by the end of this life is what's going to carry with me into the next world. Mm -hmm. Now fill out this form. Let Dr. me know. <laughs> Make sure it's no notarized. Right. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, it's, you can continue. I'm just saying. I was just. I was just saying the word principle here is being used differently from how I would use principle. So I would just call this two points of doctrine that we are asserting. Makes sense. Now what we're doing, as members of the church is charting a course leading to eternal life. There was only one perfect being, the Lord Jesus. If men had to be perfect and live all of the law strictly, wholly, and completely, there would be one saved person only in eternity. There would be only one saved person in eternity. At least he's logically consistent there. <laughs> the prophet said there are many things to be done even beyond the grave in working out our salvation. And so what we do in this life is chart a course leading to eternal life. So you got to get out and chart a course. See, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Even <laughs> bullshit on your logical consistency compliment there because we started off with the heresy that you can't progress from kingdom to kingdom. Right. So 
maybe you don't have to be perfect without sin, but you have to perfectly live all of the well, you get covenants that you the made. Demarcation you don't get, you yeah, get yeah, you've got to That's not defined. Let's yeah, not forget because be then... Perfect. Oh, only Jesus was perfect. Like never well, sin. You can sin, but you just can't sin in a way that violates the covenants. You know, like you kept going to Mike, are you keeping your covenants? Are you keeping them? What, what is that if not being perfect? I don't even know what that means. Are you keeping your covenants? Um, I guess you have some like, black and white ones. Think perfect. of it this way, Glenn. Think of it this way, Glenn. The attitude you, you have in high school as far as being a student, all right, is going to affect your grades. Mm-hmm. The ad- and if you have that attitude of, of doing well in school, then you're going to be able to go to college and do well there. Mm-hmm. All right. So if and, you're living but, a but, celestial but, 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 life. But Mike, but Mike, there are requirements for getting into college. Right. And, and the, what are the requirements? Depends on which college. I know it depends on which college, but what are the requirements for getting into the celestial kingdom? You can't be Japanese. Can, can no, you get into the celestial kingdom? Can you get into the celestial kingdom with a 3.6 GPA? Or do you have to have a 4.0 or above? The Japanese is a Harvard joke. I, I'm just ignoring I, it. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. No, you have to you have to be on a path of a celestial lifestyle. But there, but there, there is you, you have to you that. have to exactly meet all of the requirements. No, to you have enter. to be on the path. No, you, you you can be on the path, but what if you violate something and you step off the path? Then you repent before you die. If, what if really? you die? You just had repentance. Re- That's okay. I thought that Randy made a joke at the beginning of this that no Mormon ever says that. No, no. If you can go into the bishop's interview and state president's interview and honestly answer the questions for Temple Recommend, then you're doing good. That's the path you need to be on to get there. Yeah, it's it, like this is, this is a trying to have it both ways thing that, you know, McConkie can say this as much as he wants. That's not the culture of the church. That's not what the church teaches, that you don't have to be perfect. You've got to do all of these things. No, no, no. It, the teaching's always been you get, you're on the path and you're, and you're working. You're, you're, what, what's the way Nephi puts it? Uh, endure to the end. Mm-hmm. You're enduring the best you can in this world to be this way. That's all they ask of you. Yeah. Nephi says something even better than that though, that like um, you, you do the best that you can and then God will make up the rest. No, right. you're saved. You're, you're, you're saved by works after or all, all, you, after you, all that you can do. Yeah. That's yeah, all but, they ever ask. But, 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 but isn't after all that you can do a measure of perfection and just the parameters there are your ability so as long as, you're, as long as you are filling out your potential, if you ever have the potential to do more than you've actually done, then you haven't technically done all that you can do. So perfection here is defined based on your own capability. And everybody if, if you're, say, oh, I could do better. But if, the, you're en- if you're enjoying the company of the Holy Ghost, you're doing just fine. Yeah, but that's the problem, Mike, is half of Mormonism is qualitative and the other half is quantitative. So the quantitative stuff is like, did you drink or not? Yes or no, binary, you can measure the amount of alcohol and things. The qualitative is like, do you live your covenants? Do you, do you love God? Like this stuff that- Do you, you, ha- do you enjoy the presence of the Holy Ghost? Yeah, like that's so <laughs> yeah. hard to pin down jello on a wall. Cause it's like, what is that? <laughs> How about, are you honest with your dealings with your fellow man? It's like, ah. Uh... So let me, let me tell you a story from my mission, Mike, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you've heard this before, but um, I, I, 
I got to try and figure out a way to tell this in a short way. <laughs> there, there was a, a companion um, or, or one of the other missionaries in the apartment was zone leader. He was going to be doing some baptismal interviews. He asked me to go with him and do the baptismal interviews with him. And there was some shitty things that he did before that really pissed me off that I, I won't get into. So we get to the church and I, I confront him and say, you shouldn't have done this. What you did was pretty shitty. And that pissed him off. So when we went and we did our baptismal interviews. When we got back to the apartment afterwards, I said, I'm sorry, you know, that I kind of got upset at you before this happened. He goes, no, no, we need to talk. And he shuts the door and he goes, when you have to do a baptismal interview, it's your job to determine whether or not this person is prepared for baptism. You have to listen to the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost doesn't confirm to your heart that they're ready for baptism and they get baptized anyway, that's damnation for them and for you. He goes, do you know why I'm late? I'm late because you introduced the spirit of contention right before I needed to commune with the Holy Ghost. So I had to go into the chapel and pray until I could have the spirit of the Holy Ghost with me. And then I went into the baptismal interview. I started feeling the contention again. I had to go back and pray again until I could go in and, and be free of contention to get that Holy Ghost confirmation. Uh, how did it go for you, Elder Oslin? Did you get the confirmation of the Holy Ghost? Did you? And I said, yeah, I did. Oh, really? So you know for sure that this person's worthy to be baptized? Yeah, I do. He goes, wow, it's amazing that you're able to carry both spirits with you at the same time. How was your companion? So, How did you last for more than a day? I, well, he was the other senior in the apartment. And anyway, no, I wanted to strangle this guy. I, like, that was the closest I've come to punching somebody on a face, in the face on my mission. But, but like, so when you say things like, if you're enjoying the... Com- communion of the Holy Ghost. Like, that, it's, what does that even mean? Like I can say, oh yeah, I had the Holy Ghost with me. And he's like, yeah, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think I got you. I think there's no way out of that, Mike. I think I finally got you. I think certain personalities <laughs> fixate on things too, too hard. Oh, yeah. But just a correction. I said you're saved by works after all you can do. It's you're saved by grace after all you can do. Oh, right. Yeah. It's the grace. <clears throat> grace will fill up the gap right. of, of your shortcomings. But that's crazy making because uh, as, as a Mormon, I remember in Elder's Quorum when I was, I was taught a lesson there, I, I was like asking for questions. I, I wanted a resolution to this. Like, how, what does it mean after all you can do? I mean, because there are times when I feel like there's more I could do, but I Absolutely. just don't feel like it. Yeah. And, and, and then I feel guilty about it afterwards, and I right. think I repent, but I haven't done all I can do. And it's just this, it, it's like the worst doctrine for someone with OCD ever. Yeah, right. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> OCD? I was trying to think of that, that term. <laughs> yes, I mean, that, this is the hair splitting. Like that. They have a hard time. hair splitting between perfection and the absolute limit of all you can do. <laughs> Right. So in other words, you're, if you're at the absolute limit of all you can do, which is essentially meaning that you're maxed out, you're, that's more than, you, you know, of course, then you'll still make errors or whatever. So he's saying that there's a difference between maxed out and perfection. But, in, but what you guys are more or less saying is, can anybody actually survive in a maxed out condition? You know, <laughs> you, know so. you would drop dead. Can, can, can anybody really obtain a maxed out position? You know, like, like the, the, the closer you get to reaching your potential, the yeah. greater your potential for further improvement grows. You never get that perfect. It's like that dream I have, a recurring dream where I'm trying to walk down a hallway 
and I can never get to the end of the goddamn hallway. But isn't there also a, a Christian paradox here, just generally speaking, when the reason you're doing everything is because of the carrot dangled in front of you? No. Except for you're no. not allowed to talk about the carrot because that's not why you would be a good person is because of the carrot, but that's the reason that you're doing it? No. No, how do you? Because he's about to say that that's a that that's a Christian heresy. When we get to that, oh, so, okay. We're not. So there is no. So the, so in fact, it, leave so it fact, to John to have read ahead well, and not be talking about. I, I baited him with saying this was a Christian yeah. problem. No, it's a Mormon. It's a Mormon. It's a Mormon thing. So Mormons, okay. yes, are entirely ethically compromised because as a works church, you're entirely yeah. doing everything that you might do if that's good. You're doing it with the motivation of a mercenary. And so, and so as a person is paid, it's not ethically good. So you don't, so the, the reality of, of this sort of, of the philosophical position is you do good because you love good. You do good for goodness sake, not because of some reward. Right. And so there is no, works do not contribute to a reward. So no, that's a heresy. It is. A, he's going to say it's a Christian heresy, you know, that, or he's calling the, what the Christians believe a heresy. But so no, it's a Mormon thing. Interesting. Well, you know, no, Joseph used to have to tell people, you know, a bow, you can't keep a bow strung, you have to loosen it up. And he also used to dress up to go meet the new converts looking like a bum and say, whatever you think a prophet is, get that out of your head because there, there is a balance point between <laughs> being a prophet and bringing a man. Yeah, yeah, that's, called, that's, called, that's called giving yourself cover. <laughs> or lowering, your, lowering the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's getting to that point is, is there's a way to be and it's not yeah like it's not it's it's not monogamous so whatever you think of as a prophet (laughs) whatever you think of as a prophet just get rid of that because i might ask you to do anything and you've just got to follow it anything anything you want anything i might have a test i might have a test for you about you know your comely daughter (laughs) yeah i may it it may be a test or your wife or your wife might not be a test heber c kimball Yeah. Oh, psych. I'm just kidding, Heber. I didn't mean it. That was just a test, and you passed. You passed. But Orson, now I want, you, now the, I want your 14 year old. Orson, that wasn't just a test, Orson. <laughs> you, you, failed. Failed the pa- you failed the test, Orson. You failed the test, William Law. Mm. What, a, what a guy that was. All right, so where, where are we in the reading? We haven't, quite we, haven't, we haven't finished the last heresy that's not really a great heresy. <laughs> that course begins. We determine in our heart and in our soul, with all the power and ability that we have, that from this time forward we will press on in righteousness so that we can go where God and Christ are. And if we've made that determination and we're in the course of our duty, when this life is over, We will continue in that course in eternity because the same spirit that possesses our bodies at the time we depart this mortal life. Which introduces arbitrary um, factors like when you die in a car accident just before on your way to the bishop to repent um, from this mortal life. We'll have power to possess our bodies in that eternal world. And if we go out of this life loving the Lord and desiring righteousness and seeking to acquire the attributes of godliness, we'll have that same spirit in the eternal world, and we will continue to advance and progress 
until, until an ultimate destined day when we'll possess, receive, and inherit all things. All things. How does this not go again? I mean, like this, he's talking about the possibility of progression between kingdoms here. No. <laughs> sure. If somebody, if somebody, I know, I know he's not. I know he's not, but what he's saying here could, could very much be consistent with what he called a heresy, that as long as you just want to be good, you'll, you'll continue to be good in the afterlife until eventually you're as good as good can be. No, you have to be above the demarcation line, Jalen. Uh, <laughs> you get to the demarcation line, I thought this was you're good above news. there, and you're good enough. Uh, yeah, the, the good doesn't start until you've uh, signed the paper and it's been notarized. Okay. And then that's when, when it matters if with you're your good. If you're holding at death above demarcation line, then you can go forward. If you're beyond below demarcation line, you're at the limit line forever. And you'll bop up against that, and you'll never be you're, there. You're, you're, the you're, going, you're, going to inherit, you're going to inherit the reward associated with the covenants you made. If you made the covenant with Christ, then you'll be his and his kingdom. If you made a covenant to be like the Father, then you'll receive your own kingdom and inherit those blessings. But, but Mike, how many options who, are there? Like, what, just, who makes covenants with Christ? What? That's what baptism is. Oh, Taking on the name of Christ and getting the reward associated with the name of Christ. You're sealing yourself to the name of Christ. I just want a mediator. You're always, you're always making a covenant with God through Christ as a mediator. Right. <laughs> But, but you, one, Mike, you're sealing yourself to his name. The other, you're sealing your family to your name. How know. many I think you like making boxes that you can check and like connect the dots between this and that? And uh, I just want to ask Mike if if he thinks there's a finite number. Tonight. If there is, Mike, is there a finite number of options for people to go to after this life? Is the afterlife defined by how many how many places? Well, the body you receive depend, tells you the glory you can withstand and physically there's, be there's, near. There's three category. places, Bob, just like there's the Holy Four. Ghost and Jesus and God. Four with outer darkness, right? Well, and then, okay, yeah, then the devil. But then if you, if you parse out the celestial kingdom, you could technically say, you know. Six. Okay, six. Are you comfortable with that number, Mike? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's a general. If you include the outer darkness, it's seven. There you go. But <gasps> oh, I was counting outer darkness because there's three in the celestial. Oh, the I see. Terrestrial, yeah. telestial, then outer darkness. Okay, you're right. If you're, going by the book. if you're going by the book, that's typically what I've been taught to is that there are six. So I'm just. But it's more of a state of being as opposed to a physical place. Uh, so, so it's wishy washy. So it's not. Even actual. though you always talk about it as you can't actually go into the, the, the walls, you can come up to the gate, but you can't go through the gate. Wait, but, but it, wait, but, is it a metaphor or well, like, are there not, six places, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a state of being. But are there it's six places that you can't you can't hop between? You've got the three at the top, then you've got the two in the middle, and then the one at the very bottom. Well, let me let me give you an example. When when Adam went back to the garden looking for food, uh -huh. there was an angel at the gate. He couldn't bear the presence of the angel. He couldn't approach the gate. It wasn't that he went to the gate and there was like a wall. He couldn't jump through it. <laughs> wait, he wait. couldn't. He couldn't bear Dude, the presence Bob, of the it's angel. Physics. It hurt him. <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of physics. Where I'm is the story? That. Where is the story about Adam going back to the Garden of Eden for food? What's an electric gate? The lost books of Adam. Or lost oh books God! Of you and your references. Man. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> no, but it's it's fine. I, I do. But that's I'm just an example. It's all like your references are shitty presence. fan fiction. <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> 
I'm just using it as an example. That what it, that's why you can't physically. You're, say, you're saying that, that place. you're saying he couldn't bear the presence because it was a different state of being, not because it was a different location. That's I, what you're saying. Correct. I just okay. I just want to know because it seems like Mike doesn't want to concede the point that there are these demarcation lines that divide these different states of being. And so I'm just trying to understand the only way for that to be true is if there are an infinite number of possible places that are all highly customized to every individual based on this super complex algorithm, or there's a finite number of places that everybody ends up and we're all split across these. And then there would have to be demarcation lines. So which reality do you want to subscribe to, Mike? There are no demarcation lines and we can all go to infinite number of places or well, there's a finite the number of places. What are the temperatures on earth that mankind can dwell within? Right. So negative, negative, negative twenty to one hundred and ten. So is oh, that I don't know. It, it was one hundred twenty-four the last day of my mission. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you, were you in Arizona? Yeah. Yes, and I was tracting. <laughs> you poor man. Yeah. <laughs> I but I, if that's is that what you're looking for? Is like a temperature gauge or? Well, I I, if it's not a temperature but gauge, then it's th not. There is a, there is a point at which water boils. There yeah. you go. And freezes. I mean, we could, we could look at those as demarcation lines. Perfect, perfect. Depends on the atmospheric pressure and uh, how, how pure the water is. Randy introduces complexity. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I have no a question. Truth. I have a I mean, question, I think, Mike. I think that we're. I think that in some ways it's crazy that you know you guys are so worried about the the boundary limits at at the end of the terrestrial and terrestrial kingdoms. Well, when right. in fact, almost everybody in the celestial kingdom. Including all women aren't going to get to be, you know, all, you know, ultimate gods anyway. I mean, are you saying we're the, focusing on the wrong demarcation? Yeah, lines, yeah there's only yeah, John's point is there's only one. There's only one that matters, and I agree with that actually. Yeah. So I mean, so there's all these people in the celestial kingdom even that aren't aren't getting up to the full potential. You know, yep. I mean, obviously yep. they're getting as far as women can go, so that's their women full potential. But <laughs> they're, you know, but 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 the, there's a lot of men who aren't getting all the way up to the top potential. You know. Um, the, the only reason I brought up demarcation lines was to, to punch holes in, in the philosophical idea that you can like cleanly divide people into celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. If if this, I wasn't meaning to be sexist. Really, yeah, but this, if this thing was really anything, <laughs> you're fine. The you unintentional know, you sexist. Have this entire, you know, this, if this really were like a test, if Earth life were a test, you know, th this it's just it's so absolutely stupid um, because of how uh, every single, you know, the conditions of this test are, are not done. I mean, we just even know basic science about how you are actually going to have like a, a legitimate test where you're going to see about actual character throwing everybody together in a big muddle mm -hmm. you know, where everybody is given completely different things and you're going to have to, because it's so obviously doesn't work and stupid, you have to say everybody who dies before they're eight gets, you know, you know, it gets a passing grade regardless, even though this, it's absurd. I mean, it doesn't make any sense in, in, you know, in, on earth to even imagine it. Philosophically, we can simply reject this concept as stupid mm -hmm. right, right from the outset because if, if there is a thing, every single one of these tests is either you yourself are the only real person and the whole test has been gathered around you. Yes. And the rest of life is an illusion and everything like that. Or we could say Jesus was the only person and we're just props, you know, in the holodeck that no one turned off because it doesn't matter because the whole thing was made for Jesus. You know what I mean? In other words, if you were an eternal God who was making additional gods, you don't need to 
do this in this kind, kind of cheap old half-assed way. Look at how you know, the size of this universe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody can be being thrown together. On, I mean, I mean everything. I mean the the amount of the infinite. I mean the amazing degree of how many galaxies there are. How big the galaxy is is insane. How many galaxies there are, you know, in every direction and all this kind of thing. And the idea that we have this kind of universe and it's thrown together in this half-assed crappy completely doesn't make any sense test where people are completely subjected to unfair conditions in every single last way and you're not getting any results that are meaningful at all i mean it, we can simply reject that that's not a it's a it's a as a theological proposition that someone made up it it clearly fails and and there's no reason to even consider it further it doesn't it has no meaning no one can believe in this um, legitimately, so done and done. <laughs> Mike is like steaming from his ears, but you can't Mike, quite Mike, see it. Mike, you're saying that you're able to believe it legitimately. Yes, I'm sure there's a scripture you can cite yeah, that will demonstrate it, but not that. legitimately. It's in the last book of Adam. <laughs> what? How do you think God the Father spends his time? It's the same thing we're doing. You're torturing children. All these different people. <laughs> you're, you're dealing with all these different varied intelligences, and you're trying to to help them to be better. And, and what, what better way to practice that than just living a life here and now and dealing with all the different personalities and all the different characteristics and trying to set ideal goals of how to be and how to best get along with one another. Yeah, and you well, throw, throw away all the bullshit. Yeah, and I agree that we should be, be good person. That. In other words, we should be living our lives here and now, trying to do the best, trying to participate in the good, doing good and everything like that, and not be then adding in philosophical or let's say doctrinal notions that don't have any philosophical sense to them. So, so, yeah. so say, say that again though, Mike, what, what is it that heavenly, how, how does heavenly father want us to live our lives? Well, you say, imagine God, the father going out and trying to organize intelligences. He goes into unorganized space and organizes the intelligences there and tries to teach them how to be happy. Does that, so is, we, is that, is that pre mortality or is that including mortality? The, te the teaching the intelligence is how to be happy. Is that happening that's right a, now as part of this? The, that's what God the Father does as he spends his time. I mean, this is a factor in it. He, he makes a world and puts them on it and helps them to understand how to deal with matter and the draws and addictions so, that matter can give you. So, so happiness is the ultimate goal? Or is that, yes. That's what God's doing? Is, is happiness? Yes. And so in this life, when people are pursuing happiness, we should allow that and support that or should we block it true happiness glenn <laughs> true happiness mm. yeah and <laughs> happiness true being happiness being creative and a creator loving and being loved yes and john john's uh, idea of happiness is is a fake happiness right because he's gay <laughs> and he's actively married to a man well there but there but there's some there's some kinds of happiness that, you know i think john was <clears throat> Referencing this when he said true happiness, there's false no, happiness that in terms of Mormon doctrine. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because the purpose isn't anyway. I yeah, would. right. I mean, like if honestly, what you're saying, Mike, is one of the reasons that I went. No, I, I, I can't believe what the Mormon Church is saying anymore because that that part of like being fair to everyone and being kind to everyone and Jesus said love everyone. I that's great. I don't I I don't have a problem with any of that. It's when you start going, oh, well, but not them because they're not legitimate for this reason or that reason. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't sit. It, it, right. and, and ultimately, the, I'm, I'm, this is where I, I'm absolutely opposed to, so I, I mean, there's, you know, we're getting off of celestial, terrestrial, and telestial, and I'm, so I'm gonna say, 
that my personal theory of celestial, terrestrial, and telestial in Mormonism is that the Mormon leaders, the Q15, the, who are all, every one, last one of whom is engaged ultimately in fraud, because yeah. they know that they are not communicating with God the way they portray it in the movies with Joseph Smith. In other words, as if God was talking to them person to person. And so they know that doesn't exist with them. And, and they you know, know they that people think that, that about them, but they about don't set the record straight. And so therefore, they're engaged in fraud. The core of their teaching is for people to obey them. Yeah. But they are therefore in a condition of abject sin, and theirs is tel telestial glory. So the telestial kingdom is reserved for the Mormon, Mormon leaders who are experiencing it right now in life. All Mormons who are simply obeying and that their entire thing their their entire principles is the nuremberg defense who are constantly they are they are in terrestrial glory and that is and that is their inheritance in their kingdom and the only people you know who are actually following god or the father are people who are applying actual principles not little points of doctrine what in other words actual principles like responsible choices like do unto others you know love everyone these kind of these kind of principles and are actually applying them in their lives those are the people who are inheriting celestial glory so that's in, the, my, in this world right now in what they're course. creating that's what you're yes. saying yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, he says that if you're in that condition when you die, that's yours for eternity. So, in other words, it has to be what you're doing in this world. And so, that's my theory of the three glories. That's my doctrine of the three glories. <laughs> anyway, so I don't need to, we don't have to discuss it further, but I'm making that statement because I'm, don't, I'm getting don't, I like that. It. <laughs> so, anyway. Just for the record, the last one that said he saw Christ was Packer. And Oaks just recently made a statement that he had never seen. Christ and is not a physical witness. Okay. Really? None of them yeah. say that. Christ. Well, I would like them all to say that they are not <laughs> talking at all, you know, person to person to God. And that God is not communicating that way. Well, if they're receiving revelation, they're talking to God. Well, so the that, hacker, if, then they, if they are saying that, they're fraud? engaging in fraud. So that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it was Jesus that was talking to Packer. I think he might have been confused. No, Packer said he saw him. Oh, no, he saw something. I think he was talking about his gardener. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so was, my grandfather saw the devil. Yeah. He was walking along the street in Billings. He looked like a, a dapperly dressed guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds accurate. Before we jump to the last three heresies, I just want to read the one paragraph. There are, what? That, why, what? The Christian three? heresies. Oh. Yeah. So there's one more Lord. paragraph. Go ahead, Mike. I, I like this one here. He says... Uh, Relative to all doctrines and all principles is that we become students of Holy Writ and we conform our thinking and our beliefs to what is found in the standard works. Standard works. That we have less concern about the views and opinions that others have expressed and that we drink, drink direct from the fountain that the Lord has given us and that we come to an understanding on the points of his doctrine. And if we pursue such a course we'll find that it is in a different direction than the one that the world goes in. But we will not be concerned with the intellectual expressions of other people. We'll soon obtain for ourselves the witness of the Spirit that we're pursuing the right course and seeking righteousness, and this will have a cleansing and sanctifying and edifying 
influence upon us. Mike, what is the fountain that the Lord has given us to drink directly from? The revelation. Whose revelation? The Holy Ghost. Directly speaking to us. Personal personal revelation. That's it. So so he's saying um, to become students of Holy Writ. Um, we need to be less concerned about the views and opinions that others have expressed. Which others? Um, Anyone but him. <laughs> because commentaries. in general. That's a, that's a, it's a blanket statement of others, right? So in other words, other people yeah. drink directly from personal revelation. So it is. Right. But he, but he doesn't mean this because th- this, this leads to, this leads to people like Eugene um, England. Yeah, right. Who was drinking directly from personal revelation. Yeah. And so McConkie wrote him and said, you need to listen to the leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, except in here he's saying, don't, you don't have to listen to others. You just have to listen. And that's why I think if, if we asked McConkie what the fountain was, he would go, oh, well, it's the, it's the leaders. No. I, I know from speaking to his son, he's talking about personal revelation. Oh, that's only right. two, two degrees but of separation. I, I guess, and, and probably because the, the way he would rationalize it is say that, that if, if you're really getting real revelation, then it's the same revelation that the leaders are right. getting. And right. the reason that you're consistent with the leader's belief isn't because you're blindly obeying them. It's because you've drunk from the same fountain that they've drunk from. Right. Correct. Yeah. 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 That, that, I mean... <laughs> That, that, that's cognitive dissonant tactic number 64. <laughs> Dude, this just goes on and on and on. We're not finishing this tonight. There's only like three other points. The rest of it's like, I mean, the bottom of that page is amen. Yeah. Well, John, you had things we you wanted to say. So let's, we yeah, let's quickly. Let's... We'll go ahead. We can, we'll just, we can wrap it up because we don't need to do another whole podcast on this. Yeah. So, in order to have these things in perspective, in perspective, let me mention the three greatest heresies that prevail in all Christendom. They do not prevail among us, fortunately. Fortunately, <laughs> but they are part of the gross and universal darkness that covers gross. the earth and blots out from the minds of men those truths upon which salvation rests. The greatest truth known to man is that there is a God in heaven who is infinite and eternal, that he's the creator, upholder, and preserver of all things that he created us and the sidereal heavens. I'll see he even uses the word sidereal. That's, that's what I'm saying. The celestial kingdom should have been called. Anyway, the sidereal heavens. And ordained and established a plan of salvation whereby we might advance and progress and become like him. I just, I just want to say, first, I'm sorry to interrupt and add more time to this, Randy. But <laughs> a God in heaven... Heaven is like a finitely defined location, but he's infinite. What what does what does infinite mean when you're saying well, that he's in a so finite? He's about to he's about to he's about to um, 
explain that Mormons, even though they use the word infinite eternal, you keep using the word. They don't believe that God is infinite. I don't think it means what you think it means. Oh, okay. So he's, okay. And so he's trying to say, yes. we're claiming these words, even though philosophically we're going to, we've, yeah. we're saying here that we They, don't, they don't mean what, what you think they mean. Inconceivable. Can I just so. make a plug for superlative disorder? Um, okay. That the greatest truth, if you... Uh, put that in the search on lds.org you'll find that not everybody agrees uh, of the prophets and apostles what the greatest truth is yes if, if i were to have asked mike before we just read that line what's the greatest truth of the lds church do you think he would have known yeah. Well, it's it, this is eternal progression, so I should hope that this is the greatest truth, right? Well, but well, I, I think I think syntactically you can only have one greatest. So you can't the have one great, the first greatest and the second, second greatest and the third, third greatest because there's only one greatest. Yeah, um, here it's God is in heaven and infinite and eternal. Joseph Fielding Smith um, would go with Jesus Christ as our savior. Um, then there's a few others who have a different spin. They're all great truths. Don't get me wrong. It's just like pick one. Don't guys. get me wrong. <laughs> great. Don't truth. get me wrong. They're fan- okay. they're fantastic, Jesus is the Christ. Fantastic truth. Fan- fan- fantastic. It's just Sorry. great. Just they're great. just great. Great truths. But great. you got to pick one. You got to pick one. What's the greatest one? All right. Carry on. So the truth pertaining to him is that he is our father in heaven. That he has, he has a, body a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. That he's a literal person. And that therefore, obviously, that he's not infinite. <laughs> that he's yeah, not, right. you know, because we've already, you know, we, we have just said that, you know, so now we're saying, no, he's just a guy. <laughs> he's the, <laughs> so we, we, we had said before that we said he's infinite, eternal. Now we're saying he's just a guy. So, and, and that, that if, if we, we believe, believe and obey, and obey his, his laws, we can gain the exaltation which he possesses. Now that is the greatest truth and the most glorious concept. Unlike what Bob <laughs> thinks and unlike what Ann Monson thinks or whoever. <laughs> so. Known to the human mind and the reverse of it is the greatest heresy in all of Christendom. Mm. The Christian the heresy is where God, God is concerned is, is the deity. Essence, three is beings spirit in essence one, that fills the immensity of space. So that's actually... Well, anyway, <laughs> a little bit of a, you know, you know, and not quite right. But anyway, so that he is three beings in one, that he is uncreated, incorporeal, and incomprehensible. That part's true. And that he is without body, parts, or passions, that he is spirit nothingness, and that is everywhere and nowhere in the particular present. These are concepts written in the creeds uh, had in the churches of the world. So I don't think they said nothingness. They don't uh, say nothingness, but what, what the idea, he, so he's, he's, he's trying to dismiss it and doing this and, you know, saying words that would, what we should say here is immaterial, not, not material though. So in other words, we're talking about that, which is not part of creation. So it, the idea it, it's of not a thing, it's no not, thingness. Yeah. Not a thing. In other words, that we're talking about the infinite, the eternal, and yes, the incorporeal, the incomprehensible of which. The universe is a creation and is therefore less than, as opposed to the Mormon God, which is a tiny part of creation who is increasing in glory and therefore is not infinite, but is a thing that you can add because no infinity you can't add plus one to. So it must be something really, really big, and then you're adding more and more, right? So so it's not, not God, but a God. Is which contradicts saying. his very first heresy. Right. So God anyway, so this is... Yeah, he, he actually was arguing the opposite here, but he's yeah. already saying it the opposite here. The second yeah. greatest truth in all... The second is, greatest truth is that Christ worked out this infinite and, eton- and eternal atoning sacrifice 
so that all men are raised in immortality, and those who believe and obey are raised also unto eternal life. So that's his understanding of atonement theory. Now the second greatest heresy. Now the opposite of that is the greatest heresy, is the second greatest heresy in all Christendom. And the opposite is that men are saved by some kind of lip service, by the grace of God supposedly, without work and without effort on their part. So this again is a mischaracterization. We already kind of talked about it. But essentially what he's saying is that um, if, if I argue, if John Hamer argues that you are not given some kind of reward in the celestial kingdom because of good deeds that you're doing right now, you know, then you are denying, you know, essentially this, in, in this um, mercenary, um, non-ethical behavior that, you know, that it, or, or motivation that you have for that reward. So any, anybody, you know, like even Christ said, even uh, Jesus said, I mean, even, um, even you, know, uh, crim, you know, criminals are going to do that if they think they're going to get paid, right? <laughs> so the, you, at, at a certain point, what the idea here of, of, of grace is, that you are doing good because you want good to succeed. You want good to be furthered because you're doing good for goodness sake, not because of the promise of some reward. So this is sometimes called the problem of evil in, um, in philosophy and theology. And we usually kind of focus it in on God and how could a God who is goodness itself allow all the suffering in the world. But mm. the flip side of the problem of evil is the problem of evil for, for in among humans, which is if, um, if you are only doing good for some kind of imagined reward that you're going to get in an afterlife, if you're only doing good for that purpose, you're not actually doing good because of wanting good. You're just doing good because you want to be rewarded or to avoid punishment. So that's not actually good. It's simply mercenary behavior. And so Christian theology is that you are not rewarded based on doing good. That is not that you are not getting some kind there's no transactional thing. It has nothing to do with that. So, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to push back on this a little bit, John, because I, as I'm thinking about it now, I think that, that this Mormon specific, you know, this Mormon take on works and grace, I actually prefer it to the Christian one <laughs> okay. because, you know, if, if, if you just um, forget anything about an afterlife and you say, uh, kind of like you did with your three degrees of, of glory, um, you know, are you creating a heaven on earth here? Yeah. You can only do that through the things that you do. You can't, you can't just do that by the, the goodwill and the lip service and the hope of things without actually doing it, without actually making you, it. You should be doing good, Glenn. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, you, well, if, you, yes. if you devoted your life to good right now, I'm talking about right. this life now. If right. you devoted your life to good right now, yeah. I, you will can, there, is, you are, there is no guarantee that you are going to ha reap good rewards and good results. You may, you know, you may have, you may get cancer. You may have any number of horrible things befall you. <laughs> In other words, you aren't going to be rewarded. You know, unlike the prosperity gospel people, unlike the, you know, this is a Christian heresy that exists in the mega churches and things like that, where they preach to the people that you have Alexis because you're so righteous. But I'm not talking about that. But but you have Alexis. But unless, you, unless is, you've cheated people, you know, like you can, you can get ahead in certain ways of life that people measure success through, you know, fraudulent works, I guess, but, but you still have to, to, you know, eat from what you kill, you know, or I don't know. 
I, I, I think I, even if I disagree with a lot of the Mormon, I, I think that changing the emphasis onto the things that you do and that your actions make an important difference in creating heaven or salvation or however you define that, I think that's a good thing. The, the best effort is to be rewarded for it, Glenn. My, the point is not whether or not you should do good. The point is whether you are going to get rewarded for it. <laughs> Yeah, but but it's I mean it's it's Dumbo's black feather that we're talking about here. Is it really magical that you know that's what's making Dumbo fly, or Dumbo just has that ability to fly by himself? You know, it it doesn't. I I know what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. If you think that it's the magical thing on the other side, that's wrong. But if the if the output is still that you're doing good deeds, you might well, be doing I, it for the wrong reasons. But okay, it's better okay, yeah, than not so, doing it at all. I no okay sure, <laughs> you know sure it's better to do good deeds for the wrong reason than not do good deeds at all. Yeah, but it's better to do good deeds for the right reason than to sure. do good deeds for the wrong reason. Yeah. And the problem with doing good deeds for the wrong reason is that you may well find out that you did all these good deeds, and then you know, you, and you thought of this being a prosperity gospel reality in this life. You thought that you will be rewarded with all these kind of blessings, and then when you do get cancer, and when you do have a daughter get killed in an accident or whatever, it's going to happen. You wonder why? What did I do wrong? What, yeah. what, what evil thing that I did? Yeah. You didn't do any right. evil thing. Right, 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 right. No, and, I hear and so, you. and yeah. so that's the problem problem with this with this thing it's not the whether or not the person does good deeds great all kinds of different ways you can you can trick people or do people into doing good deeds but the 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 better principle here is to try to get people to want to do good for the sake of good right sure yeah <laughs> well, okay yeah i'm sorry I just think no, no 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 i don't i don't disagree with that I, I'm, I'm i'm having <laughs> i'm just having like this internal uh, shift inside myself in real time on this, on this issue where I, where I used to think that it was stupid, uh, like, um, you know, paving a stairway to heaven kind of thing with good works. Well, it was uh, at least more clean cut. It was more obvious where the lines were. Where, what John's describing, I, I think, independent of religious belief and practice, just as part of the human condition, how much you're doing something for, you know, the endorphins or the, you know, when you, you, you just feeling good, whatever that means, you don't need a religious context to question your motivations and, and try to parse out why you do certain things and not other, other things, why you help people in certain moments and not in others. I think there's some, there's some things to wrestle with there that isn't just as simple as saying, you know, we should do good for goodness sake. I mean, that's ideal. That sounds good. But is that what's really happening even, even among ourselves outside of religion? I, I don't know. It's complicated. Uh, the, the best teachings on, on grace and works is it was C.S. Lewis who described them as the blades of a pair of scissors. And that they have to work together to be successful and, and accomplish anything. C.S. Lewis. I prefer what Alan Watts said about scissors. Hmm? Do you know this? This is wonderful. X marks the spot. Imagine this going on and on. Supposing my finger were indefinitely long, both fingers, and they were doing this. They're just crossing each other. Now, on one side of it, it's a pair of scissors, and it cuts. What is it on the other side? Why, it's opening female legs, saying, please come in. This utter softness, utter receptiveness. On the other side, it's... <laughs> but on this side, it's... Please, 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 yes. 
welcome. <laughs> and everything's based on that. See, it's this way. Sharpness, teeth, biting, spines, crab shells, all that kind of thing, you know. On the other side, it's the melting softness of life. See, they go together just like that. And goodness knows what it is on these outer two sides. I've, I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> and as far as doing good deeds, you want to do the good deeds because you want to make yourself the type of person that does those instinctually without having to think about it. So you got a reward. It, it's like it's like prayer. You might not want to pray the first time you pray, but you're supposed to pray until you get in the in the habit of it, and then you're doing it because it makes you a better person, not because it's something you just have to at a box you have to check off. You're developing good habits and creating yourself as a person. Yeah, I mean the question the question isn't whether we should do good deeds or whether, for example, you and this is this is something Aristotle taught. If you train yourself to do something, then it becomes, as we now have as a phrase in English, second nature. Right. <laughs> because Correct. because you've essentially trained yourself to do that. Of course that works, you know, but that the, the, that's not the that's not in question. So Okay. But anyway, <laughs> this is a complete mischaracterization of it. And in fact, the, 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 the doctrine as described by McConkie is corrupt because it's essentially describing mercenary. Well, he, he's, speaking, he's speaking against Billy Graham's salvation. Where yeah, everybody but, bows their heads and raises their arms if you believe in Jesus. Okay, you believe in Jesus, just raise your arm, now you're saved. But Mike, the, it, Mormonism is a flavor of that, is what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Billy Graham's <laughs> salvation either. So, I mean, the whole John 3.26 or whatever it is that everybody... That, that, that's what he's probably speaking against as opposed to anything. I feel like we need another podcast for, for John to parse out the, the, you know, intrinsic good or the, the living a good life. In, in that <laughs> no I mean seriously because yeah we should talk about that yeah because I feel like Mormonism has an easy out because of the carrot and the celestial kingdom and then that just sort of like makes it so you don't really everybody just talks about it like yeah I want to I, I want to do it for feeling good or, or for being good intrinsically but the reward like it, it sort of obfuscates the problem or removes it one step but once you remove it completely and you're just in a secular environment or in a non prosperity gospel situation, then all of a sudden, I think it comes to the forefront more and I've wrestled with it. So I, I think it's an interesting topic. Yeah, we should definitely do something on like the problem of evil though, but the human problem of evil, right? What like motivation, how are you going to, yeah. what are some of the motivators for the non-prosperity uh, gospel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's just spin around it out. Here's the third greatest truth known to mankind is that the holy, you know, actually, so Bob, he even has, he has them ranked. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> it's a ranking thing. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's, Trini it's Trinitarian in a way, or I guess Godhead, because it was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost now. The yeah. third greatest truth known Now, the to third greatest truth known to mankind, the third greatest truth in all eternity, is that the Holy Spirit of God is a revelator and a sanctifier that he is a personage of spirit, that his assigned ministry and work in the eternal Godhead is to bear record of the Father and of the Son, to reveal them and their truths to men. Not women, no. 
<laughs> now he means that way. His work is to cleanse and perfect human souls. And that his work is to be a sanctifier, to cleanse and perfect human souls, to burn dross and evil out of human souls as though by fire. We call that the baptism of fire. Now the opposite of that is the third greatest heresy in all Christendom which is that revelation has ceased, that God's mouth is closed, that the Holy Ghost no longer inspires men, that the gifts of the Spirit were done away with the ancient apostles, and that we no longer follow the course that they charted. So is, the, is that a straw man? I mean, it, that, that seems kind of heavy-handed. Yeah. Do, do Christians really take it to no. that extreme? No, it the was heavens a, are closed, a, this, and there's no inspiration or revelation or communion with this God. This is a this is a deist argument, and so this is something that has been part of Mormon apologetic because of going back to when there were deists, right? And so this is the watchmaker God. This is the kind of um, Benjamin Franklin or or mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson's God or something like that. But I'm just going to reiterate here that this is an example of um, he's already we've already had the argument made that McConkie made to Eugene England that mm -hmm. revelation no longer exists in the LDS church. But of course we continue to have revelation all the time and we'll probably have a, um, a new uh, revelation added to the doctrine and covenants next year at world conference and community of Christ, because God has not ceased to speak. Mm. So revelation is still available here. And it also obviously personal revelations. Well, Mormons, <clears throat> I think the Mormon take on this is that uh, uh, we still believe that uh, what is that noise? Okay. Mormons still believe that uh, we have living prophets who give revelation from God um, and that other churches don't have this hierarchy that claim to speak to God and speak with authority uh, about what God thinks. Um, I think that's the distinction that they draw because, it's, like Glenn said, it's certainly not the case that born-again Christians don't believe that God is actively in the Holy Spirit is not right. actively working in their lives. That's, I mean, they talk, they've never shut up about right. they it. They talk about that. But, but, but Mormons would say that that's really the devil's influence that's making them roll on the floor. Yeah. But I mean, the argument here that the heavens are closed is a, is a 200 year old apologetic about deism. It isn't relevant to, like you say, evangelical Christianity or anything like that. And so, and anyway, I want to make the point that when I mentioned that anyway, the new, new additions to the DNC, these are words that the prophet is writing himself. So he's composing them. It's God doesn't speak like a human being does. So all revelation, ancient revelation, everything that's in the Bible is human written, human responses to the divine. God doesn't talk like a human being. So. Yeah, I, you know, the problem I always have with the Holy Ghost, because uh, it says in DNC that uh, I think it's 121, something like that. Uh, it, it's, it's like one of those question answer format things. And it's one that states that God has a, has a physical body. And so he, that's why he needs the Holy ghost. Glenn, you muted me. I'm, I'm looking to see where the sound, the noise stuff is coming from. I think it's coming on your end. Oh, is it cause I turned the fan on? Maybe I had everybody else muted and I can still hear this like heavy nose breathing or something, even though you were talking. Uh, yeah, it's, this is like the only room in the house that AC doesn't get to. Oh, okay. And I was sweating like a stuck pig. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so it's not that big of a deal. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your point. 
Yeah, so uh, the DNC... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, so uh, the DNC... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your point. point. Yeah, so uh, the DNC... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, so uh, the DNC... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, so uh, the DNC... I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, the DNC makes a, a point that God has a physical body of flesh and bones, and that's why he can't dwell in the hearts of all men. That's why he needs the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is still a dude with a physical, spiritual body, right, Mike? <laughs> Mike, he's got the Bible or something. No, he's got DNC. Oh, Mike, and, I, and are you on muted on your end? I Mike haven't muted Mike. How's that? Is that better? Oh, there he is. Yeah. It's yeah. 130, 22. 130. Okay. I was off by nine sections. Uh, but, but still, the Holy Ghost has a spirit body that can only be in one place at one time. So how is the Holy Ghost able to be all over the the earth at one time? Why can't God just have his influence be around the earth at the whole time? It, I, I don't see how that got him out of the problem. It's not explained. It's something unique to that, to what a spirit can do. So a spirit can, uh, I thought a spirit was like, like when you well, see a, a spirit, uh, it's, it's, it even says in DNC, it looks like a man, but it's just of a finer substance. Correct. Like, like, remember Legion? Every all those guys were inside the yeah. So the how physical place? If you have a spiritual physical body that can only be in one place at one time, how can your influence be all over the place? And if the Holy Ghost can do it, why can't God do it? So I just want also quantum energy. Really? It's not quantum. It's not explained. That this is again. Quantum this energy. is all. This is all Mormonism, right? So in other words, the spirit is the opposite of material in all of Western thought. So in other words, spirits are not material. I know, but Mormons are very materialist. No, with, I know. With their so I want to make it to our listeners so that they understand that this idea of spirit matter, a finer substance, is just a Mormon idea that's based on uh, Joseph Smith's teachings, enlightenment, um, post-enlightenment, materi- radical materialism. So this kind of philosophy that emerged in the 18th century, and then, like you say, Joseph Smith. Reacted. Yeah, but so Mormon Mormonism ties itself down to kind of a materialist version of spirit, you know, spirit matter. Yeah, and I just uh, that doesn't make it, it. It bothered me as a believer. How well? How can the Holy Ghost be all over the world and be in everyone's heart simultaneously if he's got this corporal, corporeal? Um, he spirit. uses elves, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Mike can't. I, Mike, I guess does, he's like, well, it'll be made. It'll all make sense in uh, in the one thirty one seven and eight is about all spirit is matter. Right. right. It's, the next, it's the next chapter. So how can the Holy Ghost be in everyone's heart and influencing everybody all at the same time? It's something unique to that physical status. It doesn't, but they don't explain it. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As, as, as McConkie explains, deity is a spirit essence that fills the immensity of space. Three beings in one, uncreated, incorporeal, yeah. and incomprehensible, without body parts or passions. Yeah. Everywhere oh. and nowhere in the particular present. Oh, wait. He said it wasn't that. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, I'm confused. I'm really confused. <laughs> All right. Mm. Boy, that's exhausting. Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I do want to give you the last word because this one seemed like, and I don't know, maybe it's the thing in your back, but, but it seemed like this one was a little hard for you. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Okay. Oh, that's great. Nice. Yeah. I think that's this is better than the last one, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if John and Mike agree on something, that's a positive way to end this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa.
I love the part towards the end of this though where he goes into the pitcher of water thing. You can't touch this. Where, uh, uh, how many times have you been to church? And sometimes the speaker brings a jug of living water. You can't touch this. That has in it many gallons. You can't touch this. And he pours it out on the congregation and all that the members brought was a single cup. You can't touch this. And that's all that they took away. Or maybe they had their hand over the cup and they didn't get anything to speak on. Now, in other instances, we have meetings where a speaker comes, and all he brings is a little cup of eternal truth. And the members of the congregation come with a large jug. Large jugs. And all they get in their jug is the little dribble. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Yeah, we're done, though. We won't go into it. By the way, this is a great just... part, though. This thing just keeps going on and on and on after we stop. It's Bruce. He actually says something of substance as opposed to many others. Yeah. He gets well, up and says, this is the way it is, and there's what things you need to know, and, and this, this is something you can put your sink your teeth into. You're not going to get that in a lot of other places like General Conference. Like, I when I sink my th- teeth into things, it usually uh, breaks it into multiple pieces, and I chew it up, and I swallow it, and then I shit it out. So maybe, <laughs> yes. Thank you for carrying through the analogy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is substance. Yeah. But so is feces. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> All right, guys. This was good. We we nailed it. You really Thank believe you. you really believe this shit, Mike? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is after this is after Jibber Jabber. <laughs> really? Really? Really, really, really? Your God, your God is so fucking incompetent, man. <laughs> He's so impotent. He doesn't do. He can't do shit. His his success rate would get. He wouldn't be able to hold any job in the real my, world. My God's better employed than yours. My, my God's <laughs> bigger than yours. <laughs> all right, guys, this was fun. Uh, I guess I'll talk to you all later. Thank all right. you. I think of something else to do a podcast on, Glenn. This was fun. Yeah. Oh, good. I will. Yeah. I, I, I like Bob's suggestion, you know? We'll, we'll set it up. Thank you for listening to Intense and Frozen. What did you call it? The universe of prosperity gospel? Yeah.